0: To why I was going to say that later, but uh, in the QNTR universe of uh, the unwatchables, as we continue to watch old Progress Wrestling. um, But this week we are the uh, BSS apologists as we're going to review Progress Wrestling's chapter 39? The Graps of Wrath, which at the time was, to me, the of Progress names. I think at that point, all the Progress show titles, that was the one that I was like, this is the worst. I don't know if you have any uh, remembrance of that, particularly.
1: Okay, so I happen to be on the cage match, and I'm able to look at uh, ones that are around this time.
0: They were Um, all pretty bad at that time, yes.
1: Okay, so we we have Chapter 38, When Men Throw Men at Men. We have... um, a sudden sense of liberty, which is which is, which is, is, is fine,
0: yeah.
1: Um, we have intercepted angel, uh, life, the universe, and wrestling. Tropic Thunder bastard. Uh, what's another one from around?
0: Uh, Old man yells at, Cloud, man yells at which Cloud, which is right after that. Uh, which is was a direct uh, Jim Cornette thing at the time. Uh,
1: riding Nirvana on on other people's bags.
0: Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, that's a bad one. That's a bad
1: one. It starts going downhill by this point.
0: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Riding around on other people's bags is bad. Unknown Pleasures. Um.
1: I, I like I, I like like, Joy Division, so I wasn't what, mad at that one.
0: Yeah. It's like I like it because of the Joy Division thing, but just naming your show basically just a joy division album name is not okay but like really I, you know, I, I, that's not the thing I, I remember the poster for the time at the show and the, yes, po- the, post, was super the cool. poster was awesome so
1: it was like that's why i can't i can't get mad at this show because like yeah the aesthetic for it really was good and i remember this uh the, the, like this was a manchester show when manchester at the time was like usually like lit pretty dimly when progress ran there yeah so like in general it was like a really cool vibe like from like the way, like from the name, the poster, and then like how the show was lit, to the point where it's like, yeah, like just naming it a Joy Division album is like, all right, it's kind of lame, but like they did it well.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say I enjoyed it, but it was like, come on. Um, so yeah, but uh, I guess Quentin, you want to uh, you want to get into the, the the time frame? You want to set people up? The, where are we at here? Um, in in progress at the time the year is 2016 <laughs> the date is November 27 progress wrestling is in the electric ballroom um yeah no I, that's uh you know other podcasts do the grandiose kind of thing i remember can't remember one there was a podcast that i really liked and i can't remember what it was and i feel bad for even referencing it without knowing it but they like it was like one of the ptbn podcasts but they would like give a list I, I, of like I, the shows that I, they were i know viewing. i know
1: what you're talking about <laughs>
0: Where they would talk about, like, the album, like, what was the number one album of the year at the time, top news story, all that stuff. Like, that stuff is really cool. That's not us. That's not our vibe. But I like it. I, I think it's neat to We're listen really like, to, like, but it's oh, not like, something that I'm going to put the effort into.
1: podcasting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, doing a bunch of extra, uh, research beforehand. No, thank oh, yeah. you. yeah. Uh, I did do some extra research for this one, which, which, like I said, I was going to reference, but, uh... I'll just say it now. This show, I knew that I had reviewed it on this week in wrestling with Pete and I went back and actually listened to the podcast. So I have a, I have notes from myself. Oh, that's from awesome.
1: That's, yeah. That's, that's, that's actually yeah. a really good frame of reference to have now. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, But yeah, so Quentin, what was the, what was the time frame going on here?
1: Okay. So you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, at the, at the time, this is what November 27th, 2016. And the show previously before this is chapter 38 when men men and other men and uh you know on this on this card you have the Hunter the Hunter Brothers versus the new versus New Nation, which really never get got got off the ground in progress. Uh yeah. Either team really, even though the Hunter Brothers had their moments and title shots. Um Pollyanna versus Jenny. Uh Paul, Paul Robinson versus William Ever. Uh the tag team tables match that kinda uh really put most 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 of these people on the map and Jack Secksmith and Roy Johnson versus the South Pacific Power Trip of T.K. Cooper and Travis Banks the Progress Atlas title match of Rampage Brown versus Bad Bones the Smash Wrestling number one contendership of uh, Matt Cross versus Mark Andrews and the Progress Royal title three-way between Mark Haskins, Marty Skrull, and Jimmy Havoc now Mark Haskins had just won the belt at Chapter 36 in a three-way Yeah, um, in, a, in, a, in another three-way <laughs> Um, but that, involved yeah. Marty, that involved Marty Scroll as well um, just won the title of chapter 36 in Brixton at that point the biggest progress show ever and Mark Haskins we talked about it somewhat on the last podcast but Mark Haskins is firing at a crazy level in terms of his quality but like his character his approach everything about him is sort of like the, antith- the antith- antith- uh, antithesis really of uh, what was going on at Brit- at the time because you have these big, flashy characters going on, uh, whether it was Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull with his, with his new villain persona, even a, Zack, even a Zack Sabre Jr. is a little bit more flashy. And Mark Haskins is just here to go out there, pour water on himself, and go kick you in the fucking head. And Mark Haskins was so over, so popular, so on fire, that when he gets to Brixton, even though you could argue that it was... You know they pulled the trigger a little late. It still feels right. It still feels like they made the right choice here. And unfortunately, Mark Haskins had some had some injuries, uh, specifically a neck injury, that made him relinquish the title at the height of his uh at the height of his popularity. And we can attest to this. We were that we were we were looking at it at the time, listening to everything. There was a legitimate fear that Mark Haskins may never come back and wrestle again. So, in the wake of You know, going going into this show of Chapter 39, the big fear and the big cloud looming over everyone's head is, wow, like, was was this the last time we ever saw Mark Haskins? So even though this is like this big sort of exciting thing of we don't know who the champion is going to be. It can be anybody. We have no clue what's going on. They have to do something. the, The fact that Mark Haskins was supposed to be gone for a significant amount of time, that was a big fucking bummer. And I remember being totally down about that.
0: Yeah, and the the promo that they opened the show with, I didn't I didn't remember it, you know, offhand knowing what was going on. But then as soon as it hit, I completely remembered it, um, and I was watching it, and I remember the emotion at the time seeing that it was, it was definitely something else because we did think that there was a possibility that he was done. I mean, fuck, when this was happening, we I think we assumed that that was it. Yeah. He was done with wrestling. The like, way that, the, the way the, the way conversation... was
1: phrased it was like, dude, like Mark can't wrestle.
0: <laughs> yeah. That he wasn't going to be able to wrestle ever again. And he relinquished multiple titles. Because if you remember at the time, he was... I think it was three... He had three different Sma- championships. The, you know,
1: the Smash, um, other, other English promotions. Mark Haskins was the fucking man. Like,
0: to be, I think he yeah. had like an SWE title at the time as well, yeah. I think was what it to was. Be,
1: to be clear here, yeah. Like Mark was one of those guys. I think that he kind of gets forgotten now because his path was to go to ROH instead of being... Um, a WWE UK guy, or you, or or he didn't get like the New Japan opportunities, but Mark Haskins was the fucking man, and he was a guy that even even up until like he saw he started working less dates in the UK, he was a, he was a reliable, trustworthy guy that can work heel, work babyface, can do tag team, can do your can be a main eventer, can do some comedy for you, a super reliable guy, and. There's no surprise that he was a champion in so, in so many places because of
0: that. Yeah, no, I mean, realistically, we saw it, too, is when he returned, especially he had the, the Lucha Forever uh, title run that me and you have, like, kind of lured over historically, saying how great it was because it really was, where he was this phenomenal, domineering, grumpy vet um, heel. But at the, at the same time, like, just just a you know a short a scant couple of months prior a couple of years prior here in progress he was like this amazing fire plug underdog baby face that the crowds authentically got behind like he can do it all and to see that you know like you said being the antithesis of what was kind of being looked at as the the mainstream of of uk wrestling at the time in the indies at least that was definitely true like he was he was older a lot of the guys were super young you know you you talk about it but like so many of the wrestlers in the british indie scene at this time were people who had started wrestling so young that they had years and years of experience already while still being you know in their early 20s and stuff like that i mean fuck like we talked about noam dar in the last episode but how young he was based on how long he had been wrestling and and so much of that but Haskins was older. Haskins had been around. Haskins had been on TNA. He talked about you know the the injury um, that he suffered there. Haskins was not like you know so many of these guys who were young and still like sowing their wild oats. He was older. He had a family. He had kids. He was he was boots and tights. He was down. He was in there just kicking ass. He was not doing anything that was too flashy. Well, he, was, he wasn't, he wasn't, wasn't doing he wasn't doing
1: the overly theatrical promos like Jimmy Havoc or or, yeah. or Marty's Girl.
0: Yeah. No. He was. And that's the thing that they say. I mean, historically, that's what they say. Like, you can't replace the top guy with the same guy. That's why, you know, Ultimate Warrior fails when you try to replace Hulk Hogan with basically the same thing. You know, you, you the next guy has to be completely different. And you can't just try to replace the guy with the same guy. It's like why Roman Reigns doesn't work. Like, you can't have... Because it's like John Cena being replaced with Roman Reigns. He's being booked and being presented so similarly it doesn't work. The, ne- the next guy has to be different. And that was why at the time the scene was you know dominated by people like haskins who was a knockoff of jimmy havoc and then of course you're going to follow that up with someone who's just the complete opposite none of none none of it is theatrical all of it's a 100 in ring it's all legit it's built on that backbone it's it's believable so like yeah like he was phenomenal he was hitting on all similars at the time i think me and you have talked about it already on the podcast but like at the time we were looking at it that he was like probably the best wrestler in the world. Realistically, there was times in here where he was having the best performances repeatedly. And the only issue with really giving him that credit as the top wrestler was just, he wasn't having the matches in the places he wasn't being presented that way, but for consistency and for kind of output. Like, I think if you went back and you really looked over some of his years throughout this time period, like 2015, 2016, like he was Possibly the best wrestler in the world, like realistically, belt to belt if you if, if,
1: if, if he got a chance, because it's, it, this is a forgotten match because because of how everything happened. But chapter thirty-seven is main event, and and Haskins is a uh, first defense of the title. He is main evented by Haskins versus Zach Gibson, and that's a forgotten, like for, like fantastic match, and yeah, it just it just makes you wonder, like man, like. What if Heskey, What if he just got the time? What if he just got the chance to have to have his run? And had to be crazy long. Like, if he just got to have like a, like a like a six month run or whatever with the belt, even even five months of just like going going out there having his defenses, the dude would have killed it. Like whoever who they would have put put him with. I mean, like imagine him getting actually to go out there and wrestle like uh, 2016 early early 2017 Pete or whoever else they want to throw at him, whether it was a Flash or Rampage or Riddle or whatever, and him actually getting those chances. But because he gets, he gets cut short, we never really get to see what a top guy Mark Haskins would have looked like. And I have no reason to believe that a top guy Mark Haskins would have knocked it out of the park.
0: Well, think about it. This show that we're reviewing tonight is Riddle's debut. What if Riddle's debut is he's booked to get the title match against Mark Haskins here instead of, you know, what happens. That match would have fucking ruled because we saw the match in OTT a few years you know later when, when Haskins returns from injury, and it was phenomenal. So imagine that match hits when Haskins is really at his peak where everything, he's just like on a roll, he's got momentum, and everything he's doing is fucking amazing, and it's he's the champion in progress. I mean, that match would have probably fucking ruled. Then the next show, Pete Dunne defends the progress title against... Zack Sabre Jr. Now imagine that's Haskins there defending the title against Zack yeah, Sabre. I mean, yeah, like <laughs> if he had even just had a couple more matches, then eventually he does defend it against Pete. And in 2016, 2017, Pete Dunne, who's like, you know, really at, at his strongest time, like realistically when it comes to like his work. I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're looking at a historic level title reign that got just completely cut off where he basically had two title defenses and one of which was almost a repeat of the three-way that he won the title in. Um, Just swap out one guy. And it's just like, yeah, like, it's a crazy thing to think about because he was, he was, a lot of people take time off and they take time off wherever in their career and you just look at it and you go like, okay, what could have been or whatever. But, I mean, it's very rare that a guy takes time off for an injury like this that Haskins did at a time where, like, they're legitimately doing the best work of their entire career. You know, completely. Like, yeah, it's just, it's nuts to think about.
1: Um. Now, I guess that's it for uh, background information. Really, there's other things that I want to talk about as we get as we get deeper into as we get deeper into the show. Um, but I remember at the time, think about chapter thirty nine and just the uncertainty here. The card being the card that was announced and the concept that they had figured out for this. I'm like, man, what the fuck are they gonna do with this thing? And right, yeah. So. I remember at the time, and I thought that the right pick was Pete Dunne. At the time, um, Pete Dunne. At this point, this is when his, this is when everywhere else is starting to catch fire for him. So attack, so attack, and Fight Club Pro were starting to, are starting to catch up to the likes of Rev Pro and in uh, Progress. He's had he's had the Rev Pro Cruiserweight title by this point. Um, he was involved with the Will Ospreay Invader thing, so clearly like. RevPro was giving him a bit was giving him some rub there, and Pete Dunn also you know I guess uh, still like OTT's top guy for the for the most for the most part over there, and he is pretty much a big commodity everywhere else except progress. So that's why to me like when I was thinking about it, Pete Dunn was the right choice there because he's still kind of fresh even though everywhere else had already kind of like decided that Pete Dunne was our guy already. Um, But then there was a part of me that thought that they might try to get that. They might put it on Marty, put it back on a Marty. And I think that and I was I guess I was thinking at the time, what do what what matters more to them right now? Does security matter more? In which case you put the belt on Marty, put you put the belt on Marty or uh, Jimmy Havoc. Or is it to make a statement, make a strong move, which is usually what people do when the face of adver- adversity. And I thought the progress might try to might try to play it safe and go back to someone go back to someone that they trust. But I kept, speaking for myself, I, I always thought that at the time Pete Dunn was the right decision to go to to, to leave to leave Chapter thirty nine as the champion.
0: Yeah, and you referenced it there, and give a a huge shout out to the the brand new uh, podcast haver in uh in the Slackjack brother and Jamesy. Um, I don't know if you listened to his new podcast, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Match of the Month Club or something like that, I think it is. Um, uh, but uh, but at this point, Pete Dunn had had that epic OTT title run to where, yeah, to me he was the clear okay he's the guy that can actually carry this belt and and do something because um, he's already proven that he can um you know which is again like old timey wrestling kind of trope thing to say like the only way to prove that you can get over is to get over and he had done it so it was kind of like as a top level champion guy he's the guy meanwhile you know him and and seven had just they won the tag team titles at that big o2 hall arena show so it was like well they just won the tag team yeah. titles. Are you are you really going to put the other put the title on on Dunn here, um, and then have them have the t- What are you going to do with the tag team titles? Are you really going to have Dunn be the double champion? That's not something that they've ever really done in progress at this point. And he felt I won't say that he felt too new, but he did feel like he wasn't in the company and he wasn't established enough that you would do something like that yet. Because, you, you because his because his
1: storyline was still like kind of unresolved. Because, yeah, you still thought you still like and, and we'll talk and we'll talk, talk about this when we get to like the, clo- the the last match on the show and the closing angle. But you felt like there was more there in terms of like British Strong style getting their comeuppance. And you just really like like take all these steps forward and, and it's not like, oh, OK, like th- this is where we are now. because But it felt like Pete was new because like he was kind of like kind of new but it, it, yeah. it was more in the fact that like Pete had never did anything of importance. He he was in uh, Super Strong Style sixteen that year in a really good match. I forgot who it was. I think it might, think it might have been Haskins actually, and that's when Haskins had his thing where he was uh, dehydrated and couldn't uh, couldn't 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 go, and he like Pete just didn't do anything of note really until the turn. So that's why like when Pete when this happens and everyone's just like in, in so much shock is because Pete. Did feel really new?
0: Yeah. No. I mean this this show that we're reviewing is the first uh, the first defense that they have of the tag team titles for British Strong Style. So they won the titles at the Big Show at the O2. two. They're defending them for the first time here in a match that puts them into the, the the title match. So yeah, it's like they're realistically not super established. So it felt like okay. Yeah. Like I said, like they 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 clearly Pete Dunn would be the guy, you know? Um, but like, can, would they pull the trigger on that soon? And it did feel to me at the time, I think I thought, I thought Havoc or scroll definitely like go, go back to one of them. It'll be comfortable. It'll be easy at that point. Scroll had already had the title twice. Cause of the little hiccup with William Ever, So it was kind of weird. He's like one of the only two time champions, um, up until this point for like, maybe, maybe that. And like, Otherwise, it was like, yeah, that was kind of that was kind of it. It was like, okay, they'll probably do havoc or, or scroll, and like they should do Pete, but they won't. And then having it come out the way that it does um, is kind of interesting when it comes to that. Um, so yeah, um, opening match is a double number one contender match, basically uh, South Pacific Power Trip versus FSU in a match that is for the progress tag team title number one contendership and also to then be in the main event um whatever it is six way seven way um seven way this title match the
1: word the tag team title shot wound up turning into uh the south pacific power trip versus uh mustache mountain match from chapter 45 or 44 i believe
0: <laughs> which is like months down the line yeah yeah, it
1: was, yeah months down the line
0: <laughs> yeah it takes a huge backseat to everything else that happens. Um, so, yeah. So, like I said, I went back and I listened to myself reviewing this. And and the biggest takeaway that I got from myself reviewing it was, like, uh, the bloody ear. Mm. And just how this match ruled ass. But, like, Travis Banks just completely wastes the bloody ear. And it, re-watching it here, I, I just didn't care as much about it. But in at the, at the time, I was just like, it's the epitome of, like... The biggest issue with Travis, which now the biggest issue with Travis is that you don't... He doesn't actually... You don't actually get to see him wrestle because he doesn't wrestle on any real shows. um, Like, shows that actually exist. Um, So, like, yeah. That's the biggest issue with him. But at the time, it's like... He just completely overlooks something that's huge because his ear looks like it completely explodes. And he's just a bloody fucking mess. And then he wrestles the rest of the match as if there's nothing there. There's nothing happening. Um, The match itself... I mean, this was South Pacific Power Trip. At probably their their peak, both mm-hmm. guys were phenomenal. Um, uh, not both guys; all three members of the South Pacific Power Trip were phenomenal together here. Um, FSU was, I mean, pretty good. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Dennis was really good at, at, at his role and, here, and, and, and I
1: think and that, Mark, and Mark Andrews obviously like we're like the biggest Mark, Mark Andrews fans out there. So yeah,
0: like. yeah. I I I was even I was looking over even mentioning him because he's Mark Andrews and like even to this day I think he's one of the best baby faces in all of wrestling. Um, again, he's another guy that you just don't get to see it because he doesn't wrestle on a real TV show that exists. Um, but uh, but he's phenomenal. But like even here, I think at this time Eddie Dennis was completely overlooked for how good he actually was. Yeah. And then when I watch this back now, I'm like, oh yeah, like he was really good. Like what he did, all of his stuff, it looked great. I think that. The biggest thing that he got overlooked with was like that his wrestling was bad, and it's like no, when you watch this, like his his wrestling is pretty damn good. Yeah. Everything he does he, he, looks pretty he, snug. I, yeah, I, I
1: never I never got that. Like he's not as like fluid, maybe, but like everything everything he does looks good. I've never watched any Dennis and be like, oh, look, the way he did it look just look terrible.
0: Right, I mean you just see so many shitty like I hate to shout it out, but like GCW fucking you know and then this is not a dig at anyone who's ever done it but like backyarders who haven't really been trained who can be sloppy there's plenty of great backyarders who are really good and who haven't been trained but there's so many of them that are terrible and stuff like that and it's like to compare like eddie dennis to kind of some of the stuff that we see now um or we used to see when wrestling existed um like he was good. <laughs> like he was really—he was a professional wrestler. Like I—I I don't know what else to say. Um, so this match was really good for just like an archetypal heel versus babyface kind of tag team match. But, but again, like I just the the bloody ear thing really uh, at the time really irked me. All
1: right. So counterpoint here: Does it really matter when TK when 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 Travis is a heel though? So I mean, like, so that, that, that that's it, it shows that,
0: bad that, instinct. That, that's, that's always
1: been my point when it came, when it came to this is like. Are you saying that maybe she should have like sold it more, like maybe like sold it as equilibrium with thrown over or something? Because like I remember this was um in in the in the match between uh, Eric Stevens and David Starr from Beyond. I think our pal Simon had said some had said something about uh you know like them like them not using the hard way blood. And I'm like, well, Eric Stevens isn't a heel like that's like that's a heelish thing to do. So that like that's me I was like why well, I never have a problem with it because of my when I'm thinking of it, it's like yeah like I'm like these like. Mark Andrews shouldn't be going after a guy's bloody ear. That, like, like, like that, like that wouldn't make any sense. That's that's how how, how I've always approached it. That going after like hard blood is strictly reserved for like a heel or someone in like a grudge match scenario.
0: Yeah, no, I don't blame FFQ at all. Right, it's a hundred percent on banks. Is my right. point. It's like you can't continue to wrestle as if you're not you're not just covered in blood. He looks like a mass. Right, okay. And then for him to follow that up by like hitting everything with the same intensity, doing all of his same kind of fucking crazy like high impact moves, it just to me it creates this weird cognitive dissonance and it's not even to to be fair, it's not even about the quality of the match, which I understand why you overlook it, but to me it not only like kind of breaks the psychology of the universe, but what it also does is it really hurts the importance of blood in general. Oh, no. So as a as a wrestler, I think that you should respect even if it's not for you and it's not your thing and you would never do it on purpose. I think that if you have a like a bloody fucking massacre ear like that and you just no sell it, unfortunately what you're kind of doing is being really disrespectful to like, let's even say someone who's on the show later, like a Jimmy Havoc, who can build so much of his matches around kind of the theatrical nature of a bloody mess and a, and a kind of a massacre scene like that and what you're doing by just completely no selling it is you're making his matches now look foolish because anytime that he uses any kind of blood like that to create like a theatrical world it's like well if it didn't matter to travis banks why does it matter in this setting well, and, 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 you know and, the, and that's the, kind of the this thing kind
1: of comes back to travis to travis banks when we get to the main event of the show too <laughs>
0: right exactly yeah it's it, it this was the biggest issue with him at the time it's like as much as i really loved him he just completely kind of didn't uh he he, he, he didn't really think about stuff he,
1: he he's not allowed to be vulnerable no
0: no 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 and i i get it man i mean fuck like he's really good at being intense and and hard-hitting and doing all of that stuff but it's like look he, he, it's like, it's so even, easy even, to get wrapped up in that
1: even even his even davy knew when knew to turn it off i'm like like, like right. the, and that's the thing that I think Travis like eventually learns. like look man I knew that you were like your team your team vision whatever the fuck it was and all that shit so like that's someone that was an influence on you even Davey knew when to, knew when to turn it off sometimes
0: right yeah team, uh, team ambition team ambition team, yeah the, uh. okay I'm trying to think of uh, Team Vision is a what's his name the rapist from Florida uh, chasing. Oh shit! Um, that's the Team Vision oh, dojo. Shit. Yes. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. Um, no, he was. It was Team Ambition, and then um, I'm trying to remember what the uh, what the name was because it was uh, there was a trio's match in PWG that was Kyle O'Reilly, Davey Richards, and Joey Ryan, and they all. Dressed up, and that was where the sleazy Kyle uh, chant yeah. that was like predominant in PWG for years came from. And they there was a name Team Statutory. That's what they called Oof. them, um, which is not so great in twenty twenty eyes. But uh, but yeah, um, maybe they didn't have. The, what would uh, that, what the, would that the, have been? Twenty ten. Yeah that was that was happening in like t- t- maybe two thousand eight two thousand ten. Okay. Yeah um, yeah. But uh, but yeah that was the uh, that was the team name for them. Um, but yeah no definitely he he just he had one speed at this time and and he does get so good at being being able to do comedy and do lighthearted stuff and sell and show weakness and do everything else but at this time he was so singularly focused and it does remind me of the davy quote you know from the i think it was like the kevin steen show or whatever yeah. it was where davy was like i don't watch wrestling <laughs> i only watch mma or whatever and it's just like davy yeah, <laughs> <laughs> was so good like it was really hard at the time to like him like you wanted to shit on him and stuff but like he is one of those wrestling ass carny motherfuckers that only can exist in wrestling you know what i mean like come on or
1: even though, like, yeah. like i don't even davy richards so it's like is it, yeah, like, exactly. Like, do you like? It's like, do you hate the Davey Richards that you know in your life? Like, I, I, I like, I I, 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 never, I never hated that person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, this gets followed up. Joe Coffey versus William Ever. Um, I don't know. What did you think of this one, Quentin?
1: Um, well, finally we're getting Sebastian as a heel, which is something. That, which is something we talked. We talked about. When yes. We talked about Chapter Twenty is how much better Sebastian was as a heel, and it's like watching him come out here with the fucking Drake song in. How smug he is. Just like, oh, like, why did anyone ever cheer for him? <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like, like, this, like, this is perfect. Um, getting to see Joe Coffey again before NXT UK ruined making me ever want to see him again. Um, I know. And William Ever. William Ever, um, you know, even in the year or so since, uh, since chapter 20, he's like, he got better pretty clearly. This, this is after his title run, or, uh, you know, title win, rather. But, all right, it's, he already had gotten better at selling and feeling like he belonged in the ring with guys of like Joe Coffee's uh, Joe Coffee stature, and it's, it's a fine match. It's a good match. The real gem is when they get to the William Eva versus Sebastian match from like Chapter Forty Four, I think. But yeah, it, uh, the the main the main takeaway for me here is the Sebastian and Eva story and how goofy it was but how well both Sebastian and Eva sold it. Ever looks like a sad puppy at all times being around Sebastian. Sebastian is just so fucking obnoxious and it worked for me. It was a fun little undercard thing at the time and I feel like Progress doesn't get enough, enough credit for having those little programs brewing underneath and this was one that was really, really well worked.
0: Yeah, and so this the only thing about that, and and you're right that it was like it was nice and and the good thing about the underneath programs is that they bubbled up and they helped build people up to where they w- could break out into the main, you know, into the top of the card, um, for the company f- on the backs of getting over in the in the underneath feuds and stuff. But the only issue was that this match, and I talked about it before we before we got into the review, is we want to talk. I wanted to mention just how much this show really was kind of in the shadow of the chapter 36 at the O2 uh, Academy is that this match and the Ever Sebastian storyline had a major hiccup for people who were not going to the show live. And I think even if you were going to the shows live, there was kind of a major hiccup in the angle that really hurt it in that they had their big, no disqualification match at the, the, on the big O2 arena show. And it ends in a no contest due to, I think like some kind of crazy injury that happens, even though it's supposed to be a no disqualification match and ends in no contest and it doesn't get aired because it's a legitimate injury. It doesn't air on the VOD. Mm. So if you weren't there live in the building, you didn't see it. And I doubt that a match that ends in a no contest because of a legit injury really would help the storyline because it feels like it would, you know, just hurt it in the fact that like whatever happened was obviously just a shoot injury. Um, but it does hurt the storyline overall that like something that was a big key point plot point in the in the the storyline not only didn't get shown to you but also didn't go off the way it was supposed to so while at this point it's working it also hurts because like you don't have the investment because the background and the backstory that was supposed to be building to this point didn't actually
1: happen yes it's it's almost it's like lost in time really (laughs) like because because the, the, then because then after this, this is when fucking uh, the time the time traveling uh, Chuck Mambo shit starts. Yes. So yes. they're like, all right, fuck we like we went we meant to end this like three shows ago. How do we how do we figure out a way out of this? And then it's like, all right, right you know what? Uh, fuck it. Uh, Freedom's Road, time traveling, Chuck Mambo. There we go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was something else I meant to mention is that in between the the big 2 arena show and then this show. Uh, freedom's road had started so they were doing non-canon like almost scripted drama wrestling shows on the network in between this that were not necessarily supposed to be like directly influencing these shows but they were like having some overarching connections which i think during this time that Riddle was here for this show. He also did an episode of Freedom Rogue where he had a killer match with T.K. Hoover, I'm looking I'm, I'm looking for, were...
1: I'm looking for it right now to see if that, this is on that first set of tapes.
0: Yeah. It's on that first ta- yeah, cuz that's a that's a match that I think probably gets lost to time because it's on this weird show that no one was watching, but people should check that out if they haven't seen it cuz that was really good. Um that said this match? Yeah, like Eva looks great. Joke uh, Joe, that was a a major thing that stood out to me. On listening to my old review from the time period was how much i liked joe coffee at the time compared to how shitty he is now in nxt uk they, and they, how much they wanted
1: to do too much man
0: <laughs> it's like yeah like, i know like
1: and, and th- it was weird at the time too because joe coffee just kept on fucking losing in progress because like he lost at brixton then he's over here lo- losing the ever and you know I get it like joe coffee wasn't one of their guys but Joe Coffey is like way too valuable to kind of like be losing that often because he's so formidable that when you beat him the way that they did it's just like he kind of like, lo- like loses that steam when he could have been like a big scout for so many people to have
0: yeah and he was always over uh, the crowd always liked him no matter how they booked him you know like yeah I, I'm sorry I, I got I got thrown off because I thought you were about to say something oh no don't worry about it man <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, he was always so over. The crowd was always so into him. And I thought that his wrestling was pretty good for what he was. Um, And what he did was, like, really solid. And, yeah. So, like, progress just really wasted him. And then getting into nxt uk it became this like thing where they just they over pushed him for his level and then it becomes this meme for people to talk about like oh you know he's this wrestler's wrestler that william regal <laughs> and david fenley love why did do, why does you know william regal love him so much like people love to talk about that and it's like when you go back and watch this stuff right here and think about like kind of a lot of the stuff that he did at this time it's like no i get why william regal loves him because they see how good he can be Unfortunately, he's not being used to his maximum potential in NXT UK. Like, that's why the whole Gallus thing seems like such a fucking joke. Because if you're looking at it just in the context of only NXT UK, which a lot of people who, who talk shit on Joe Coffee right now have, they have no other kind of exposure to him. They don't realize how good he was at, at a point. They, like, kind of don't get it. Like, why would anyone see anything in this guy? And it's like, when you watch this, it's like, oh, I get it. I get why people saw something in him. Because he was actually pretty good.
1: Yeah, he's, he's he's a guy that I think history will um, history will will, will absolve him at, at some point. It's not going to be in the near future right. or anything. But he's a guy that I think, you know, after we don't have to deal with the fucking terror that is NXT UK and people go back and do G W GWE type projects. It's like you know, people are going to definitely going to come back. Like, oh, Joe Coffey was actually pretty good, huh?
0: Right. Yeah, if, if people see more Joe Coffee stuff, and they and he gets a a post nxc UK run on, back on the Indies, if there is such a thing in the UK ever again. Um, yeah, I think he's a guy that will get kind of a retribution project where people will be like, "Oh yeah, he was actually good," and and it's not his fault that he had to every time that they needed someone to lose to the fucking NXT UK champion, they just made it be Joe Coffey, you know, uh-uh. on whatever fucking takeover show it was.
1: Some, someone else, I think, uh, will absol- I think will get absolved and uh, rightfully respected. Yes, as history goes on. Uh, the next match: a Strong Style, Pete Dunne and Trent Seven versus the London Riots, uh, James Davis and Rob Lynch. Uh,
0: yes, I agree. James Davis will be absolved of all of his as as every, transgressions. That's every, every crime, people will look back happen. on him in a positive. <laughs> people will look back on him in a positive light. Um, no, yeah. Uh, go ahead. <laughs>
1: um, beat and Trent Seven were a good team, man. Like they, they, they were a good team. Right. It sucks that they got saddled with fucking um, the London riots for you know their like their tag for their tag team run really, but they were a good team in. I would, I would not, I would not mind, have minded at all if, like, Perfect World, like, they would have to blow off with the riots and go on, and go on and do whatever. Like, they would have been, a, they would have been a fun tag team to have, and I, I like, at this point, they're just like so petulant and rude, and it's not like tongue in cheek trying to like, well, we're, uh, we're heels, but we're cool shit. Like, they were just dickheads, and. The Trent, the the Trent rolling into the ring, slow thing was actually like kind like, actually really fucking annoying. Pete Dunn and Pete Dunn being overly aggressive with them being a chicken shit. It was really good stuff and it reminded you why like these like the things happened that they did as the why British Strong Style became the became became the people that WWE picked to be the faces of the NXT UK brand because even if you just look at it going going into the show in the vacuum. Immediately when British Strong Style come out, they feel so much more important, so much bigger, so much of a tan- so much more of a tangible act than everyone else that have been on the show so far. And
0: yeah,
1: the fact that Pete Dunne was only like twenty three, twenty two when 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 that happened, that that does say like why Pete Dunne was someone that was able to become what he did, to become what he did because. You just watch him. You just watch him come out, come out now, and he seems like such a fucking star. But the person I was, I was talking about is uh, obviously Trent Seven, who routinely over the British Strong Style run got the short end of the stick, got disrespected, uh, you know, you know, kind of dismissed as the least of, as the least of the group because he uh, wasn't the young hot upstart that Pete or that Pete or Tyler Bate was. But I think that he's a guy there for sure when. We really go back and go and do some digging, you're you're not gonna be able to come back and hate Trent Seven the way, the way that everyone wants to now. Mm-hmm. He just does way too many things well. He does he sticks to, he sticks to the basics pretty well. Even if you want to hate him for doing rainmakers and fucking burning hammers and shit. Like he he, he does the basics so well that even if that stuff annoys you, like you're overreacting a bit. In like missing the forest through the, missing the forest through the trees because you want to get mad at a, at a burning hammer. He's he's someone that I think history will 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 be fair to.
0: Yeah, and when when I was doing NXT UK kind of reviews with with Pete on this week in wrestling, I often talked about just how good Trent Seven was as a promo guy, and just how good he is in his like his his charisma. Um, that that he was just such a Magnanimous promo that everything he would say and do felt spontaneous, believable, and likable. And he could be cocky or he could be whatever, but you just like got into him and and, and liked him. And it was just like such a natural. It's crazy to think like how great he was at, uh, is as like the a natural babyface kind of guy. But then also you watch him here and he's so good in-ring wrestling as a heel and not he doesn't speak but he gives off heel mannerisms and giving the finger to the crowd and all that stuff like as a heel here he's phenomenal as well so it's like the guy is so good that he can wrestle completely like a heel and then he can cut the most babyface promo to completely like just get himself over as a babyface right afterwards it's like yeah he's he's someone that i think will will get like you said get kind of get vindicated in history when people re-watch some of this stuff um just how good he was and, and totally there's like a tonal shift here as it feels like the show goes from like kind of the undercard to the main event um, and the importance of what's being set up here. Cause now you're feeling like, okay, we've seen these other people and they're going to be in the title match, but now we're seeing contenders. Right. Now we're seeing people who can actually win the title. Um, And you talked about it, but like British strong style gets shit on and their run and, and their trios and everything about it that was bad. But I remember, I'll give another shout-out to Lucha Forever, um, you know, the, 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 the kind of the, uh, the patron saint promotion of this podcast. Um, at, this was at the peak of British Strong Style trios matches are dog shit, and at the peak kind of of, 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 of um, Aussie Open, all their matches feel the same there was a British Strong Style versus Aussie Open match on a a Lucha Forever show and it was British Strong Style. It was Pete Dunne and Trent Seven and that match fucking ruled because British Strong Style were kick-ass heels who just beat the fuck out of these two, like, you know, younger underdog babyface types and that match fucking owned. And again, it comes back to British Strong Style is a great tag team. British Strong Style is such a good tag team. Like, it sucks that they didn't get much of a run as a team, really. There's very few Pete Dunn, Trent Seven tag team matches, but they're something completely different. Like, Trent Seven and and Tyler Bate are fun, but Pete Dunn and Trent Seven is like they could have been like an all-time heel tag team because the energy that they bring together is so fucking ridiculously just mean. They are so yeah, nasty. But they're together.
1: just dicks. Like they're just yeah. straight up. Rude, nasty people, and I, I, for me at the time, they were like they, they were uh, their, their promo, their stuff on Twitter, everything they were doing, what felt like must see stuff. So coming coming out of the coming out of that, one, I'm like, man, like I wonder how they're gonna play up this British Strong style stuff going into the going into the main event. Um, this the, this the, this this match here was fun, uh, sloppy, very sloppy. I'll say that, but. Pete Dunne, and, Pete Dunne and Trent Seven are really good at, like, kind of, like, holding, holding something together that's falling apart and just keeping it together with, like, brawls and strikes and punching and yes. being mean. And that's what this was. It was sloppy, but it felt really mean, too.
0: Well, that's why it works with them is because, like, Pete can work a technical match. And we'll see it, you know, on the next progress chapter show when he does defend the title. I already referenced uh, against Sex uh, Sabre Jr., but... But the thing is, Pete can also brawl, and he can be a hard-nosed kind of... I always, I always kind of compare, because people like to compare him to, um, you know, to, like, Finley or or even some of the, like, stiffer Regal stuff from England before he goes to America or whatever. But I've always kind of, in my brain, compared Pete Dunne to Terry Rudge. Like, he kind of works like Terry Rudge in a lot of ways, to me. Um, so Pete can kind of do that, like, that, that you know, grind the, the forearm into someone's nose, kind of really just nasty kind of... You know, with the, the, where you're just putting the knee joint into the back of someone's calf, things like that, but that just look like nasty and, and brute force. But he can also brawl like a motherfucker. He can do technical work. But when stuff is a little bit sloppy like this and it feels like it's coming off the rails, somehow him and Trent are able to hold it together, keep it on the rails, but also still continue to play off of the sloppiness by just making it feel like a wild brawl. They're able to, like, kind of... That's why I think it works. Because what they're able to do is, like, when stuff is falling off the rails and just feeling kind of crazy, they're able to, like, harness that that kind of wild energy but, and bring it back into, like, into kind of a focused, like, it's still a, a brawl. It's still, like, you, you're, you're harnessing the sloppiness and turning it into a wildness instead of just being sloppy, where it's like this is now breaking down into a fight. And there's not a lot of people who can necessarily pull that off because... Most of the people that you think of who can like kind of harness in something when it's kind of going off the rails are like smooth tactician types who can like take like kind of take over when things are falling apart and then make things look smooth. If You know, one that always stands out historically that did this really well was um, CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio in the uh, hair versus Max match, I think, um, where there's blood. Rey Mysterio, I think, gets busted open hard way or or Punk gets busted open hard way and then that completely zaps all the energy out of the match and Punk comes back and just starts throwing Rey Mysterio randomly, wildly into the walls and the barricades and it just feels crazy and all that energy is just nuts and it just completely, like, it takes advantage of the fact that things are just completely going off the rails and the crowd is, like, you know, bored and just not into it anymore and it takes that energy and brings it back into a way that just, like, instead of feeling, like, like I said, like sloppy or whatever. It now it feels wild and crazy, and it's like it's 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 a thing that you don't see all the time. People being able being able to take that energy and bring it back the other way. Yeah, that
1: man. When we get to talk talk about Pete more eventually, uh, that's that's something I want to touch on. But that was one of I think Pete's best strengths at this time. is just being able to flip the energy whenever some whenever something was even like going slightly in a different direction. He would just turn it up real randomly and it'd be, and it'd be such a welcome change of pace just cause like the timing of it was always, was always so perfect. Um, next, uh,
0: yeah, follow this up with a match that I know you want to talk about. Cause I saw you talking about how good this was and I, I remembered how good it was, but you know, yeah, get into it. Osprey versus riddle. Let me hear your thoughts about this, this fucking match.
1: Um, just what the fuck, uh, rookie Matt Riddle uh, and Will Osprey go out there and just have as good of an eight-minute match you'll see anywhere. And I feel, I feel like maybe even even at the time I maybe underrated this a little bit. I feel like I, I think I want like four stars on this at the time, which is obviously like by no means low, but just from getting Matt Riddle so fucking over. In the span of in the span of eight minutes, uh, how much Osprey's sold for this guy? Osprey's hope spots, Osprey's offense, way just the way he bumped for him, Riddle's intensity—it's uh, like a—it's a—it's a match made in heaven. Every iteration that we've had of this match has been fucking phenomenal, every single one. It's all been perfect. It's all been great. These guys are made to wrestle each other, and this was as good a debut for anyone to a wrestling company. As you'll find as you'll find anywhere. And it's just so it was it was so cool to look back on this just seeing like Osprey give it all to make to make Riddle look credible.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about when we talked about it last week like the the idea that like 2008 2019 Osprey is undeniably finally the greatest wrestler in the world. It's like okay, this is just because he's in fucking New Japan and they're actually letting him do stuff in New Japan for once. Because if you same motherfuckers were watching this, you would be saying the same shit. You would be saying it here. Because I don't think that he's gotten remarkably better. His strikes, maybe. I don't know. A little bit of his selling. But this match, this shit, like, Osprey was so fucking good at this time. And you talk about it. The selling here, insane strikes. He's in there against the, this... The fucking, I mean, the fucking moonsault, the, fucking mo- the jumping... Moonsault off of the off of the uh the
1: fucking uh the stage the, the, thing or whatever
0: the stage yeah. piece like what like, Jesus Christ It was so wild like uh it, it reminded me there was this really good Uha Nation versus um Johnny Gargano match from a Evolve or WWN show where they had like a stage piece like that, but it was like it took a little bit more and it was a setup and he did this really cool moonsault. I think it was probably a uh, Dragon Gate USA championship match. Um, if people want to go out of their way to check that out, whatever, it's actually a pretty good match either overall, but either way, like that kind of thing. But like, this was so fucking just crazy. Like Osprey is so good. The reverse run a spot that was just completely blown was like, I don't know if it was the plan or not, but at the time I remember giving credit. I don't remember. I listened to myself on the podcast, give credit to Riddle for not selling it. Which I think was was the right move there, and there's a lot of times where I would be pissed off about a no-sell like that, but it really worked that he didn't sell the fucked-up reverse Rana. Like, you know, so it's just like, so much of this match was great. Like, Riddle was so early on in his career here this was at the time where i was really really into riddle still i was really into osprey obviously as well like it was people i think that people think if they listened only to like the best of the you know the our our top wrestlers of the year podcast with me and you they're like i never liked either of these guys just because a lot of times when we were doing our top wrestlers of the year podcast were was finally in the time periods where like these guys were unfortunately like not really hitting for me as much as they were but like it was funny because before that, like, at this time frame, I was hugely into these guys. I loved both of them. I thought that they were so fucking great. It's like, it was a little bit after this, and then they wrestle again, and they have some phenomenal, they, I think they had, like, my match of the year just a couple years ago. That, the, 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 the Evolve yeah, Super Yeah,
1: show. the, the, the Mania yeah. week, Weekend one is <laughs> insane. Yeah,
0: It's so fucking good. I think that that ended up being my match of the year that year. It was so fucking they're, great. They're, and, like, they're,
1: like, made, they're, like, made to wrestle each other.
0: Like you said, the thing about that, when you said that they're made to wrestle each other, the funny thing about it is that they've never been in the same company for prolonged periods of time against each other. So th- it's like, it's a, this weird thing. Like I, what popped in my head is like that saying, you know, familiarity breeds contempt. These guys have never had the chance to get really familiar with each other. So it's so funny that like these random times that they've wrestled each other in like just, you know, one-off epic encounters have always fucking delivered, which is, is super rare that people who just don't have any real experience with each other, they don't have, you know, they, they don't have that. You wouldn't think that they would have that chemistry that comes with knowing someone. It's like, they don't need it. These guys get in the ring and they're just, they're, you know, to steal a phrase from Riddle, they're both stallions. And because they're both just fucking stallions, they know to go out there and just do stallion shit together. And then they do. And when they do it, it's just like amazing. It's, it should go down in history as one of the most amazing rivalries in the history of wrestling. And they've had like three matches and all of them have been fucking incredible.
1: It's a, by, by far the best match on the show. Like, uh, I think we, 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 can both admit here. This isn't the best progress show to sit there and like watch for, from, a, from an in-ring perspective. But this one, this one almost like made it just, just like just itself made it worth it to see both of both of these guys at, at the peak of their powers, at this at this stage, and see that they're still firing on all cylinders at this day. Granted, it's still only it's only four years ago, but it just shows you the kind of elite level guys we're talking about here. Where even if you're not as big of a fan of Osprey as you uh, were back then, and you're not really big on Osprey now, when his big epic New Japan run, you look at it and you still think that still still see the same qualities of just like the bumping and selling and everything looking so great that he's doing. And, I argue, and you could argue Riddle's gotten even better. And, you know, he's, he's supposed to do that. When he did this, he was still pretty much a rookie. But Riddle is in the conversation of being the best rookie of all time. And the fact that I can still say I think Riddle got better says a lot about Riddle, I think.
0: Yeah. No, Riddle is phenomenal. And I think that he's showing that he has this insane ability because he's shown up in NXT and he's still basically wrestled like Matt Riddle and he hasn't changed and started wrestling WWE style, but he continues to be super over. And he may change like they've turned him into a cartoon character when it comes to his promos and his like vignettes and stuff and and that's fine because he makes it work. And he's one of those rare guys who like I've said in the past that I think that Tyler Bate is a guy who actually has gotten better under the WWE umbrella, just because it seemed to have made him more focused in a lot of ways. Riddle is one of these guys who's, like, gotten better in spite of WWE. Mm. Like, they've given him terrible shit and he just makes it work. And he seems to just refuse to bow down to their bullshit. Like they tell him don't tweet at the Rock don't tweet at Brock, don't tweet at Goldberg, and he just keeps doing it. They tell you know, they can't tell him how to wrestle. He goes out there and he wrestles his match and he kills it every time. And then he does their promo bullshit when they give him a script and it's it's really fucking stupid and it should probably kill him. But he makes it work every fucking time. So like, here's the thing is that yeah. Riddle doesn't need to be there. They want
1: him. Right. So it's like it's never gonna be a thing where I think like Oh, like Riddle really, Riddle really fucked up this time. They're gonna let him go. Riddle can go anywhere in the world. Riddle doesn't have to. Riddle doesn't have to be here. And regardless of everything, whether or not he, he tweets at the, he tweets at the people and annoys them, and and all that and all that kind of shit, they don't like his attitude, which is weird because Vince supposedly loves the people that are you know willing to t- tell him no and do what they want. and Tell Vince and tell Vince and tell Vince what they want and how they're gonna do things. And Vince was those people that push back and fight back for stuff that now Riddle Smolinski has all this heat. Riddle can do whatever the fuck he wants, and because out, out of fear they don't want him going anywhere else. They don't want him going to New Japan. That's why they signed him in the first place because New Japan was gonna bring him over for Tag League, and they're like, no, 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 we're not, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Come over, come on over here. Riddle can go. Yeah. Riddle can sign anywhere and still be Matt Riddle. So obviously, when WWE is still super insecure of their place in the world and trying to keep time from other places, they're not going to let let a Matt Riddle walk.
0: Yeah, Matt Riddle's the guy that they can't let go because he's proved. I mean, they could they could legitimately let almost anyone else go who's not like a WWE, you know, legacy. I say legacy, and it's almost like pun intended or not intended, like Randy Orton type. You know, a guy who's who's has that kind of history, but like anyone short of like a major main roster star riddle is like the next guy like he's the first non main roster star guy that you can't let go because the second he walks on screen anywhere else he becomes the most important thing in the wrestling world if he goes to aew i'm sorry but like he can become a star at the level that he overshadows everyone else there a Riddle versus John Moxley feud is insane. A Riddle versus Jericho feud, Riddle versus anyone feud, Cody Rhodes, it doesn't matter, insane. You said New Japan. I mean, if he shows up in New Japan, I think that you instantly can make him into a major star. Um, and you know, and that can just be based on in ring. And then the other thing too is that like Riddle now kind of has the Brock thing because with everything that's going on with UFC, they need the money. I mean, if Matt Riddle decides that he wants to fight in UFC. Maybe he doesn't win his first fight, but I guarantee he pops a huge fucking buy rate because it, you can tell. And Riddle was
1: good. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why you can tell the story that gets lost in this. Riddle was actually legitimately good. So it's not. So it wouldn't be something where someone's coming back to MMA and uh it, 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 it looks just like a money grab. This is a actually very talented MMA fighter.
0: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the story that you tell the second that he shows up is, this is the only person who's ever been fired by UFC who was on a win streak. This person had three knockout victories in a row and was and was fired from UFC. We are bringing him back, but he was a dominant fighter. There's no question that he is a good MMA fighter. Like you know, so it's like he's not a money grab. He's not a sideshow. He's an instant legitimate star. That's like. Yeah, he got fired while he was still kicking ass. So if he shows up in UFC, he's money. He's money to them. There's no question. So it's like, yeah, like WWE, he's the only guy that WWE just cannot let go because he can go anywhere and he can make any company money that should be, you know, as far as Vince McMahon is concerned, like that should be my money. That's my money. I made him a star. You know, like that's the whole thing there. So it's like, yeah, Riddle is the guy that they can't get rid of. So he can do whatever the fuck he wants. And this is not even where we should be going right now. This is not the point of this podcast, but it's true. Like, and at this time, you could even see it here. He's a fucking star. It's so crazy to think that at this point, WWE had told him to, you know, oh, go get, go get seasoned. They should have just signed him from the fucking beginning. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. Next, Marty Scar versus Jimmy versus Jimmy Havoc. Uh, babyface Jimmy Havoc for one. Uh, going back, going back to the early to the early roots of progress here. Jimmy Havoc still wearing his, uh, you know, uh, progress champ, progress champion era mask and, and all that and all that kind of stuff. So still, spooky man, Jimmy Havoc, but with a babyface twist to it, going up against very villainous Marty Skrull. Uh, Jimmy Havoc is a good wrestler. He can be. A, he can be a good wrestler. I think that especially now, uh, Jimmy Havoc has done some dumb things. Something people uh, he, he's become the butt of some the butt of some jokes, but. Jimmy Havoc is a very good, uh, very well-trained wrestler, and I've, I've said before that even if I think Jimmy Havoc is just, like, a fucking, uh, creator wrestler on, t- on, on 2K or any wrestling game that has all the coolest moves and, like, uh, the fucking jackets and masks and all that stuff that you put on your creator wrestler, I still think he's a good wrestler with all that being said, and I thought him and Marty put on a fine match here. When you look at this on paper now, you kind of look at it just like, ugh, like that doesn't doesn't sound appealing at all. But this is a this is a pretty solid match. I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm alone in that. I'm alone not on this
0: one. No, you're right. It's a good match, and it is true that Jimmy, is he's a a decent wrestler. People forget, you know, Jimmy is is Zack Sabre Jr.'s best buddy, and the reason why that they're best friends is because they trained together at Hammerlock, you know, years and years ago, NWA Hammerlock. Um there you know, he has a solid base. You, you, and, and, and you
1: weren't you, were, you weren't getting through hammerlock without being a decent
0: wrestler. Right. They're not gonna let you say that you graduated from that school without being able to fucking show it. You know, you have to be able to wrestle. And he can wrestle. And he shows it here. It's another reason why Jimmy Havoc is, is being used in AEW right now. Like, during the lockdown, people are talking about, like, oh, it's so funny. Why is Jimmy Havoc getting main events? Why is Jimmy Havoc on TV now after they've just completely overlooked him? It's like, yeah, because you know what? He, he's not a star in America. His A lot of the shine and a lot of the luster that was on him here in progress at this time period is not there when it comes to America. But when it comes down to nuts and bolts wrestling and and what you need, he is going to deliver for you. And that's why he's kind of over, honestly, in AEW and lockdown mode when they let him just go out there and have wrestling matches because like, and it doesn't matter about if the crowd is invested in him or whatever, is because like he can go out there and he could wrestle, he can work. And he does it here with scroll and and scrolls. Another guy, scroll can work. Um, He loves to be really flashy, and he loves to do a bunch of stupid shit, and that's fine. And I thought, to me, even at the time, listening back to the old podcast, I thought that the finish of the match was overbooked and kind of dumb. I still kind of think that the the finish of the match was a little bit overbooked and kind of dumb. I thought that the way that they did it didn't quite work. Well, well,
1: let's talk about it, because... Yeah. Remember, at the time, Marty is, you know, he's making his jump to ring of honor, and Jimmy had just came back. So no one can afford to lose clean here. But it's also a thing as to where, like, okay, well, well, this could, this could, that could have just been like a no contest. You could have just booked some book someone else in this. But yeah, I, it's, it, that definitely still was a, is a little weird to me, just to see like how quickly Jimmy goes from he's still super badass Jimmy Havoc, and uh, you know strikes fear in everyone in in the company to Jimmy Havoc now does comedy spots.
0: Right, and I and there was one thing that I liked here because I, you know, it's it's the Eddie Guerrero spot as far as people are concerned now, um, where you fake out the referee. One thing that I liked was like it's it's havoc. So he takes the umbrella and he still hits himself. Yeah, with it. he actually he actually like, hits himself. <laughs> he, he still hits himself with it. So it's like, what was the point of faking it? Because you still just actually did it. Like, and it fits because he's this masochist who enjoys the pain of like actually getting hit with the umbrella. So I liked that it worked with his character and you know what I mean? But I just thought that it was a little bit, it was a little bit too cute. And, and especially I think at the time and even still looking back on it, it was just like Osprey was just too much. The villain thing was just too cute to a point where it was like, anything like this was going to irk me a little bit just because I was like, I was so on edge and looking for an excuse to be annoyed by scroll but I get it, like, in the sense that neither one of these guys can really afford to lose in this situation. It does become that, like, then why did you book the match? You know, like, why did you... You didn't have to book these guys against each other if if, if you couldn't give away an actual finish. Right. Um, but that said, I mean, like, it was probably... It was clever, and it was probably the best finish that you could go with in the situation, but it did still feel a little bit overbooked. Um, the match itself, like I said, was, like, it was solid. It's two, like, solid wrestlers just having... A match which was, like, kind of funny to think about at the time because these guys were both, especially at this time, were, like, so much gimmick guys. And to have them, like, have, like, realistically from bell to bell until the finish, just have, like, a pretty normal wrestling match that, like, wouldn't have felt out of place on, like, a, you know, just, like, a a mid-card on, like, an 80 Crockett, like, TV show or something. Like, there was nothing, like, super insane about the match itself.
1: I do I do kind of think about how we get this big sort of dream program in Havoc vs. Skrull, the two biggest heels in the company, go at it, and it just never clicked, really. It just never became what, what I think they, what they wanted it to become. It just became like a fun program, and I'm not sure that's what that program needed to be. Just seeing that they were still trying to use Jimmy Havoc in, in an effective way, and Jimmy Havoc was still around, and was still going to be a player for them. I just, I just, am just not sure like that feud was really uh, used as well as it could have been to keep Jimmy Havoc afloat as like a real, like legitimate name in the company.
0: Yeah, that's definitely true, and it's interesting because yeah, you would think that on paper that these guys should have some kind of like dream situation yeah if, other, if it was talking about like, like, like strictly
1: like, like strictly progress guys like like this like this is it this is Marty's girl Jimmy havoc like the two most uh, most identify, identify identifiable heels in the com- in the history of the company and you like kind of forget that they feuded with each other
0: <laughs> yeah I mean realistically I mean I don't know that I think of two people that are more progress than them like I, I think that you could put Osprey on that but if you were doing like a a progress Mount Rushmore. I think that Havoc and and Scroll are like, you know, first ballot yeah. kind of candidates. You know, I don't think. I mean, realistically, let's say you were going to do a progress like Mount Rushmore. Okay, there's, there's, Hall there's, of Fame there's a there's a there's a good
1: accidental topic.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, progress Hall of Fame or Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Let's, do, let's, do, let's, do, let's do
1: Mount Rushmore then.
0: Okay, so you do the four the four guys. They built the company. You're going to do a Progress, Mount Rushmore... I mean, Havoc, obviously. I don't think there's any question about Havoc, right?
1: Mm, right. Havoc's on there for sure. Uh,
0: Alright.
1: I feel like it has to be either... I'm not sure you can do Osprey and Haskins. I feel like it has to be like either or with them.
0: Right. You have to pick one. And I would almost probably go more towards Haskins. Because he was in Screw Indie Wrestling. He was he became, like, the first real babyface champion. Well, I guess Osprey was a babyface champion, but, you know, he felt like the, the natural babyface champion. Yeah, as, like, as
1: opposed to, like, Haskins, like, yeah. like, like kind of, like, defines the name. Like, Haskins and yeah. his journey is is progress. Like...
0: Yeah, this is Haskins' chant. <laughs> the best Who is sh- it the- that doesn't understand that chant? Brock.
1: Brock just hates that fucking chant.
0: <laughs> he hates that chant. Right, yeah. yeah. This is Haskins. Um, right? He has to be on there. So, I, um, yeah,
1: so I would say Havoc, Haskins...
0: I say I say then it's like, I,
1: I say because Skrull because has a journey too. Like Scurro was there right. since, since the beginning. The other things didn't work for him. He was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. He find he finds the villain persona and it takes off from there for him. So I would have I would have Marty. I would have Marty on there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would definitely have Marty on there. And it's like yeah. So it's like those are the the three. And then it's like the the four. It's like it depends on how you want to do it. If you're talking wrestlers only, we'll say wrestlers only. We can't you know include the three mates. Um, it's like, then from there, it's kind of a, a toss-up on what you consider. Like, I could see someone saying Rampage Brown. I could see someone saying Noam Dar. I could see Mark An- even, Mark like, Andrews. Mark Andrews, El Ligero. Um, like you know, I mean, like at that point, it's like it's kind of I don't know what what you would say, um. I, I, Even like massive. Yeah, I might, I might say, I might say Mark Andrews there, just just
1: because, yeah. just because he was like really, like really our first baby face, and right. then kind of like, he won it, the first NPS. Yeah, it, then it gets like taken, gets taken away from us, taken away from us, and everything. And like, who knows what would have happened if Mark Andrews doesn't go then go to TNA for for a little bit, and if he just actually gets to stay in progress. But I might, I might say Mark Andrews just because he really was like our first baby face.
0: Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, he's the he wins the first NPS. He's one of the first tag team. He is the first tag team champion with the with Eddie Dennis, the FSU thing. Like the, yeah, the like the, his the, the, run. the
1: Rampage Brown title title win is actually a really awesome match.
0: Yeah, the match is great, and then it leads after it into the biggest angle of the entire company. Like I said, I mean, I could see Rampage Brown, but it's like he disappears. Like right, I could definitely. Was, uh, Nathan Cruz could be in the conversation, maybe, but I think that Mark Haskins is probably the guy. Like he's probably that number four spot. But yeah, I mean, obviously, ha- like Havoc is the without a question guy, right? Like, like there's no question that Progress, yeah, you, a big you, part you of the you, you literally
1: can't talk about Progress without mentioning Jimmy Havoc. Like, right? He's yeah. No, no matter if you, so no he, matter if you like him or not, no matter, no matter, no matter if like, if, you, if you like the rain, thought the shit was goofy, you can't believe that people like this. Whatever you say. You can't talk about Progress without talk, I'm talking about Jimmy Havoc.
0: Yeah, Jimmy Havoc is the number one, and I think he's the most important wrestler in the history of Progress, which is really interesting to think about. It, it really is. And, and so that was the whole point of having this conversation. I think that Skrull and Havoc both, they're on that Progress Mount Rushmore. It's like, you'd want to put Zack on there, but, like, it, 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 no. no. You, you know, like, not, he was just, in the first just, show. Just
1: not, just not around enough.
0: Yeah, like he shows up and he's important when he shows up, but he never feels like he's a big part of the company. Like he just never, yeah, he's just never like interwoven into the fabric of progress the same way that the other guys that we talked about are. Uh,
1: Next match here, Katie Harvey versus Nixon Newell. Uh, my, pride, my pride and joy, my wife. Um, yes. So, Timothy, let's look, so obviously there isn't a ton to mention here. Um, seeing see, seeing how, like, really, the, the majority of the show is based on the fact that we're, we're crowning a new progress champion tonight. But I, this, this is a somewhat notable, somewhat notable match for the fact that this leads to a really awesome Katie Harvey promo months down the line where, uh, she addresses how the crowd during this show, yes. uh, responds to her in her, in her, uh, in her sleeve. And, uh, <laughs> That became that became the big talking point of the crowd during this match. They would harp on Katie Harvey's sleeve. They would chant for it. They would chant it when Katie Harvey would, would land a big strike or anything. And this match kind of became sort of a joke because of it. And it was good work. It was fine work. Uh, not that it was a bad match. Bad match by any means. It's hard to have a bad match with Nixon Newell or Katie Harvey, but. Her, but Katie's attire became sort of the gag running uh, d- during this match, and this in turn gives like gives Katie ammo to cut a really scathing promo on the Progress fans months later during her return to Progress, and, and I th- and I think that's probably the most notable thing about about this match.
0: Yeah, and it was listening back to my review from the time; it was the most notable thing that I mentioned. I. I adore both of these women. I think that they're both really, really good wrestlers. I think that Katie Harvey gets. She's another one who's going to be criminally underlooked historically, but when it comes down to it, people are going to remember her importance um, in a lot of you know of the UK wrestling, Euro wrestling scene. Just how, like, how much influence she really had, <clears throat> not just in ring, but also when it came to kind of social issues and the things that she talked about online. um, That like, yeah, like listening back to my review at the time, I talked specifically about how this is the kind of crowd that probably at the time. And even now would do the whole like, Oh, you know, we're so woke and we totally support women's wrestling. But then the second that women are in the ring wrestling, all you want to talk about is their fucking clothes. And you don't want to just appreciate their wrestling match and what they're doing in ring. And I said it at the time when I reviewed the match. I said, like, these people are minimizing the athleticism of what's going on so that they can just have fun talking about her shitty gear and just talking about her clothes. And it just feels so fucking, like, not just sexist, but also, like, just shitty in general for a crowd of wrestling fans who should be enjoying wrestling. But it is very sexist because these are female wrestlers, and all you can talk about is their fucking clothes. Be- because be- let's talk about what's going on.
1: Be- because because at least like so like with like with Roddy and like a, and, and Roddy in a, in, a, in his boots, right? Like they took an article of his clothing, and they and, and in turn they gave they gave him heat for it. Like then like that became like part of like saying like fuck you Roddy, fuck you in your shit, in your shitty little boots, like we hate you so much, fuck you in your boots, but. Instead, when they do it with Katie Harvey, it's just like to make it to just have fun and joke during the entire match. It's, it's not, excuse me, any, anything productive, really. And I think, and I, and I totally right. get your frustration there because at least what happened with Roddy is productive and you see the way he reacts to it and it becomes a whole thing. Well, Katie Harvey, is just like just fucking up the flow of things.
0: They're just, they're just, they're honestly just not giving the match any respect. Yeah and they're just they're only just like entertaining themselves because they're not taking the time to invest in being entertained in the match. The Roddy thing also too you have to remember is like a um was kind of an inside joke. Right. Because the Roddy thing started with with Trent telling Roddy to go out for a run in like I can't remember the exact situation but it was a backstage story in PWG where Roddy was supposed to run out for a um for like an inner, like a you know, for whatever it was, like a a post match kind of like interference spot, and Trent says to him like, "Run out there with your shitty little boots," and then from there, because if you remember, Trent did the like whatever drawings, like he would do his whatever drawings, and they would print them onto like uh, pro wrestling tees shirts. Roddy was having, I think it was his birthday celebration at a PWG show, and they printed out special shirts for the night that were a drawing that trent had done that said shitty little boots and they were passing those shirts out to people in the crowd and roddy had the shirts roddy actually wore the shirt during the show and that was the the start of the shitty little boots chant in pwg so it was like it was it wasn't just we're entertaining ourselves uh because we're not paying attention to the wrestling it was like a It was kind of an inside thing, and it fit with the character because it was supposed to be, like, it's a real-life thing. It's a backstage real-life thing, but it's also, like, it actually pisses you off because it's real. It's, like, it makes you more upset because it's a real thing because of of it. it, you actually wear these shitty little boots that Trent made fun of. And, like, I don't know. Trent is, like, the uber jock. (laughs) Like, you know, like, that's the through line from my podcasting history, like, doing the This Week in Wrestling show with Pete and then now doing the show with you is, like, I am a jock podcaster. I do podcasts with jocks. I am a jock myself, and like, Trent is an uber jock of wrestling. He, he, like, he, he is. He, he's
1: like, like there's, like there's such thing as like as like the weird jock genre. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, like, the, the thing that's like, <laughs> then the thing that's why like me and you like mesh so well because like we clearly like came from that and that's what we grew up being. But like we're also like huge fucking weirdos, and like yes. that's very <laughs> that's very much Trent to the fullest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's just, like, it's it's totally, like, kind of that vibe. It's, like, the the, the, the jock who's, like, brain is kind of fucked up from too many concussions and yeah. probably also doing acid.
1: Just a little yeah.
0: bit. Yeah, we've done too much LSD and we have concussions and our brain is just fucking weird. But we're also still, like, the kind of guy who's, like, get out there with your shitty little boots. <laughs> like, you know, like, you are still kind of pick on people. But, so, yeah, I like, saw, that, I that saw,
1: thing. I saw um dude I used to go to school with, uh, my freshman and sophomore years of high school on his, on his, on Instagram. And like, I'm a, like, I'm not saying I was a bully when I was a, when I was a freshman or sophomore, but like, I'm like, I'm like, we like, we know, like, we, like everyone did. We were, we're all like, you know, part of the same team. We all like crack jokes on each other all the time and all that shit. And it's like, I see him. He still grew up. He looks the same and all that stuff. But I, in my head, I'm just still like, I remember you getting slapped in the back of that in, in 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 Yes. You, you getting slapped in the back of your head in the bus and crying. Like I like I, gotta, yeah. I remember this.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't help it. Like you can't help it and and I I try to be I really do try to be a good person. I've been, you know, I I've, I've I've been a member of the DSA for a long time. I'm into like socialism and all that stuff and I try. To, but yeah, there there is that natural instinct in my brain sometimes where I can see the the weakest link. It's just that predatory <laughs> instinct
1: just like, where you can see you just, yeah. you just see someone just like wanna go like He's like one of y'all nerds so bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Can't help it, man. It just, it's just a natural thing. So yeah, like again, we're, we're just, we just have that bullying instinct. And that was the whole point of the Roddy thing. It was like, it was to pick on him and the, the, the Kaylee Harvey thing. It was not, it it was not picking on her. It was just, again, it was just entertaining yourself because you were not giving the match the, the, the respect that it deserved. Uh, at
1: least, at least least it turned into a kick-ass promo that she did. And, uh, her program, yes. her, pro- her progress career never wound up going anywhere, but she did, obviously, wind up doing more than more than enough to make up make up for that. And ott and other uh, all over all over the Irish ott all, and all over the Irish scene, yeah, EU all over ICW, all all over the place. Other than progress, so hey, yeah. like a progress didn't see it. Like, hey, who gives a fuck? Cause their women's division has been yeah. has been shit anyway. So like,
0: <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's like go go back, and if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, go check out some some Kaylee Harvey stuff from 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 like. Any other promotion, especially Eve OTT, like we were saying, like, you can check out some really good wrestling from her. And not just wrestling, but also promos, character work. Yeah, when she was doing the the Tumblr feminist character, (laughs) like, that that sounds bad. That sounds like it would be terrible because it's wrestling, but it was phenomenal. It was so good. Like, her, yeah, her her tumblr feminist character because was, called, was because fantastic because it's it was really her
1: like it just it just it, yeah, just, exactly. it just hurts her turned up to a ridiculous level that's that is really her though
0: yeah exactly she wasn't like making fun of it she was like actually kind of like just exposing a lot of people who probably hadn't seen anything like that before like they were actually seeing it in front of their face
1: how many people do you think had never heard the word feminist until katie harvey started calling herself that
0: <laughs> That's crazy to think about, but it's probably true. Like, think about think about Which how many people nuts.
1: go to go to wrestling shows and just like probably aren't that socially aware. She had she right. she had the like, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put my I'm gonna put my over under it like at least thirty people didn't know what feminist was or <laughs> wasn't until they saw Katie Harvey live.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Because yeah, she had I think she had gear that said feminist on it. it was like yeah, like, what the fuck does no that, that mean? What the fuck is that? I I, I don't get it.
1: Um. All right. The, uh, the, main, the main event here, this yes. seven way elimination match for the vacant progress uh, championship. Jimmy Havoc versus Pete Dunne versus Trent Seven versus Travis Bangs versus Matt Riddle versus Sebastian versus TK Cooper. Uh out the way here, Marty Skrill comes in, attacks Jimmy Havoc before the bell, so this pretty much is a uh, six way match for them for the major for the majority of this thing. Uh, Takeaway number one. Travis Banks just can't be vulnerable not one time in his life. Uh, This whole thing starts off with this big sequence of Matt Riddle just dominating everyone. Knees Sebastian in the face. um, Grapples with Pete Dunne. Traps him in an armbar. Pete scurries out. Does the same thing to Trent Seven. Does the same thing to C.K. Cooper. Here comes fucking bloody ear travis banks who wants to keep doing sit-outs and sprawls and uh and uh, and uh go behinds on matt riddle when everyone else took their l in about four seconds and left travis banks had to do a whole sequence with them
0: <laughs> and and if you notice Everyone else took a rope break. Travis Banks escaped to the I, to the floor. I, he didn't take
1: a rope break. I, so I remember, I remember, I remember. I was listening to this week in wrestling at the time when you guys were when you guys were doing this show when you guys were, yes. had reviewed this show. I knew this fucking drove you guys crazy.
0: <laughs> I specifically remember calling it out when when this happened. But what's funny is I listened back to it and I kind of made it make sense to myself in that it fit like. That it was him protecting himself, and it fit his background and his character. It does, Looking it, back on it now, it, does. it doesn't make sense.
1: It do, like yeah, if you look at it from the, from a purely individualistic, like knowing who Travis Banks is, knowing what he's influenced right. by, and like knowing who he was outside of Progress already, like still like still getting pushed in um in fight in Fight Club Pro pretty hard, like pretty hard at this point. Like you understand it, but it's also like dude. Everyone else took the L just fine. Yes. Why, yes. why, why are you doing this? No.
0: No way. Yeah, because I even, like I said, like listening back to it, because I listened back to it, and it was like, I didn't necessarily say that I liked it or that I respected it, but that I understood it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was It was a, I s- get this based on the way that he sees himself and the way that he projects himself. So the way that he views the world. And it, like, and it and it fits with his character the way that he like shows himself in in the world like okay it makes sense like the way that he presents himself in wrestling but yeah it was it was fucking laughable because ev- and he does it throughout the entire match like anytime that him and riddle are interacting <laughs> with each he other just can't leave he, riddle alone. <laughs> he can't let riddle like get the upper hand on him the same way that everyone else does and I mentioned it on the review, but he took the only like clear cut super finisher of the entire match. He takes a middle rope pile driver to get eliminated. Everyone else gets eliminated on bullshit and mostly fuck finishes and like interference and all kinds of whatever. He takes a middle rope pile driver. Um, um, Like um, Travis um, Banks.
1: Let's be clear. In progress. Travis Banks has done nothing to earn that. Up until until this point, not at all. And we're Travis fans. We liked him in Attack, we liked him in Fight Club Pro. We're very aware of who Travis is and those companies, and he's a very talented professional wrestler. Up to this point in progress, all he had done was win win a fucking tables match against (laughs) Jack Sexsmith and Roy Johnson.
0: Against fucking Pro Joe Jobbers. (laughs) Like, basically, Pro Joe Comedy Acts is like the biggest match of his career at this point. Yeah. But he's the only person in this match who takes like a legit, not even. And you, just a regular and you finisher. know that
1: you know that no one backstage said that was like told him to do that. You know that he right. directly went up. Oh, to, that was his. You thing, know that yeah. he directly politicked Riddle to make that happen.
0: Right, like that's it. it. Yeah, so he takes a he takes a middle rope pile driver to be eliminated. His suicide dive is the most insane. Like you know what I mean? Like he's so, he hits he's the just last suicide Matt, dive, just
1: walking up to Matt Riddle, like hey y'all. I know your first time here, but, uh, you know, kind of important. Yeah. So when you, when you eliminate yeah, me I'm here.
0: A bi- I'm a little bit of a big deal, you, gotta, you know. Gotta, like gotta,
1: that. gotta make sure you really eliminate me, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I can't just, yeah. So yeah, it's just. <laughs> it's fucking great. They hit, they hit their finisher, the Jonah driver, like him and TK hit the Jonah driver, but they don't even like get a chance to try to pin someone because of course they have to protect it. Like we gotta hit our move. We have to hit our move. Oh, fuck, but I forgot, like fucking, If we're um, not going to get
1: the finish, what the what the fuck? Is, I, I know I know the purpose. Another well, purpose of it was that was that Jimmy Hav- so so Jimmy Havoc could come in and beat and pin Sebastian and get the big pop. But right, like even the fact that like the South Pacific Power Trip like come in like stop yes. Riddle from eliminating Sebastian is like what the fuck is going
0: on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. Get Jack Sexsmith in here, which I liked. I liked that Jack Sexmith, Jack Sexsmith yeah. showed up which was cool cuz at the time he was still like a student. He had had that big tables match but he had not done a lot yet. He had, so yeah,
1: he he, had, like, he didn't get he didn't get to go on his big run yet which he would have got he the d- d- guess to do in early
0: 2017. Um, another guy who unfortunately like retired early definitely had all the all the tools, all the charisma, had the potential to be something and it just didn't get a chance to like really show.
1: You, you could argue should, they should have pulled the trigger, but uh you know, they just Hey. Yeah.
0: You know, it's progress, man. They, we talked about it on the last show that it felt like Haskins should have been the champion. And then from there, it took him like a year and a half to finally put the title on him. And then by the time that they put the title on him, he gets injured and has to go out. So, um, Pete Dunn in front seven,
1: really good in this match again. Uh, yes. The pretty, pretty much, the glue of this whole thing. Well, Matt Riddle's like the clear star and he's super over as being the only baby face for the majority of the match. Pete Pete Dunn and Trent Seven are just the glue here, and they are fantastic. Um,
0: yeah, I love that they never tease any bullshit between them nope, two. Not, they do not, a really no, good no. job of that.
1: It was it was very clear yeah. that even like you know, for some like some one of us is gonna win, and it didn't matter right. who it was. Um, Jimmy Havoc, and when he when he comes back out, adding a second babyface to the dynamic, and now the now since they gave Jimmy Havoc this whole thing of he got attacked before the match. Now he's coming back and doing this triumphant comeback. Is Jimmy Havoc really going to win this thing? So now they're building up Jimmy Havoc as an actual threat, while also having British Strong Style having dominated this entire match. So as we're getting down to the fight, we get down to the final three of British Strong Style versus Jimmy Havoc, it really feels like oh shit! Like I don't know what's, I don't know what's going to happen here. It yeah, really it still it, felt it,
0: like Havoc could overcome.
1: Yeah, it, it's like it really feels like this could go any direction. Um, now getting here, I want to go back to something that I teased at the beginning of the show, which is where Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate were at these respective points in their career. And I kind of mentioned it, and we kind of mentioned it with Pete at, uh, earlier, but Pete is pretty much the guy everywhere else in Brit Rest except for Progress. Um, and even in Progress, he is a tag team champion, but this was more of a recent development. And... He had already been doing his thing in attack and at fight club pro with OTT. and uh Rev Pro Revpro is starting to give him more ch- starting to give him more chances now. And progress was the one place where he wasn't like one of the guys. And now we get the we get we get we get to see him here and like it fits. Like Pete Dunn fits the occasion. It feels like Pete Dunn belonged here. And it feels like Finally, progress is like catching up when everyone else uh, was already ahead of them. And this is the first instance that I remember of progress being behind the times. And this will be a thing that happens when uh, the eventual successor to Pete Dunne for the Progress Championship, Travis Banks, wins the belt. But this, I remember this being the first time the progress was behind the times when everyone else is on the Pete Dunne wave. Pete Dunne has been in Bola, done all this stuff, but he wasn't a big deal in progress yet. This was the first time that I rem- I remember Progress having to catch up instead of being the ones that were ahead of the curve on something.
0: Yeah, and and we talked about it before we started here, but you know I mentioned it earlier with the everything that had to do with the the progress, the first big show at the O2 Arena, um, feeling like that was the show where Progress jumped the shark, and from there, this is only a few chapters later, it feels like. Again, progress is paying playing catch up, and I remember being excited at the time just because of the idea of Pete Dunne winning the championship here, and then he could make something of it, and and come, you know, something make something out of this. But as you talk about it, it's like, would it have made more sense for progress to be on the vanguard to have had? Pete and Trent keep the tag team titles and have put the championship on Tyler Bate here. And and actually not feel like they're playing catch up but like actually being on the vanguard cuz no one had really presented Tyler Bate as a top guy at this point and probably for good reason if we're perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and we'll get and we'll to, get to that. Yeah. Cuz even at this point now I don't know if I believe that Tyler Bate is a a guy who you could have as your top champion. But it would have at least been unique. And at this point it did feel like a, a, catch up for as excited as I was about it. One thing I will say about the match and the finish and everything that happened. And at the time, listening to my review from the time, I didn't, it didn't matter to me, but, but Pete, uh, mentioned it. Schumacher, Pete Schumacher, Pete shoe, shoe on PWO, um, mentioned that like it was overkill to have Tyler Bate have to come out as well, because Like, Jimmy Havoc had already had to overcome 2-on-1. He had already had to overcome the pre-match attack. There was already enough, and you could have saved the Tyler Bate, you know, add-in for down the line to continue to build and build heat and make something out of the whole storyline. So it did feel like... Looking back on it now, it's like it was a little bit of overkill, and I get it, it very much in was, the
1: context because they were yeah. they were their backs were against the wall. They weren't thinking; they were rushing. They weren't they weren't yeah. thinking rationally here. They're like, "Fuck it, we need to do like something earth shattering, something cool, something something that people will get behind," because we have nothing right now.
0: And it felt like they were rushing the angle so that they could get to putting the tag team titles on, on Mustache Mountain instead of the. Uh, Bate and seven, so so it felt like adding, you know, Pete done or adding Tyler Bate into it really quickly. They could switch the tag team titles over. No, we can hear get, get the
1: thing effectively. Like, yeah. They what could have happened. They could have just had Pete and Trent beat down, Jim- beat beat Jimmy. That would have been just fine. Right. And then, like, what how how I would have done it, looking back on it, is I would have had Jimmy have his hope spot of pinning Trent. And then Pete Dunn immediately comes in, bitter end one, two, three, and Pete Dunn's a new progress champ. Yeah. Going to exactly. chapter now. Going to chapter forty. I would have like done something where uh, Trent gets thrown out during the during the Zack match, and then Tyler Bate comes out and join exactly. and-, and joins the group. Like that. Like that. Like now that we like have like some time removed from that. That would have made that would have made a lot more sense than than just like shoehorning everything in at the end of this one show. But you get it, they're panicking. They're like, "All right, fuck it, um, panic button. We're just gonna make this trio right now, right this second.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it was it was rushing through things that they could have taken a little bit of time on and actually built towards, just so that they could get it over with all right now.
1: Um. So at the time, for Tyler Bate... Uh, his last match in progress had been the tag team match where he teamed with Damian Dunn against British strong style which was a good match but that was the last time we had saw P- Tyler Bate. he was a mid card he was a mid card act in an ta- in attack in a and a tag team feud that was over and we go we go a little bit without seeing Tyler Bate. and now granted me and you're familiar with Tyler Bate at the time. He's working WXW. He's working. He's working other places. He's working Fight Club Pro. We're watching Tyler Bate. We're seeing what he's doing. I think at the time, this is like Tyler Bate versus who? who Travis Banks, I think. The, and, and, and fight in fight, yeah. fight Club Pro, and they and they and they and they have and they have their stuff going on. So we're very aware of Tyler Bate, and we know how good he is. But again, this is the case of progress catching up, and they weren't as big on Tyler Bate at the time as other places were this is where you kind of see the beginning of progress taking all their stuff from Fight Club Pro as now because yes. as, as now Tyler Bate comes in and now Tyler Bate's suddenly in the, in the main event scene it's like hold the fuck on now like Tyler Bate had not even like you hadn't even pushed him that hard he got knocked out of the MPS in, 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 all, in all this stuff and now suddenly Tyler Bate is like just part of the main event picture but again if you remember what was happening at the time Tyler Bay was still getting to do stuff at Fight Club Pro, which is ran by you know Trent Seven and you know like all and all and all those and all those ties there. So it makes sense why trap, why why Tyler is getting getting uh you know to do more stuff and be more free there. But this uh, this was like the clear beginning of Fight Club Pro booking starting to influence who Progras would eventually get behind.
0: Right, which was the precursor of british strong style being the the most featured and main acts in nxc uk because the influence that they were showing in progress led to like it it trickles up you know it's like fight club pro was was the hotness the new hotness progress was trying to co-opt that to make themselves relevant because they were they had jumped the shark at the big show at, uh, at the o2 arena and then WWE comes in and they're like, we need to take over the UK scene. What's the biggest promotion? Oh, it's Progress. Let's get them. And then Progress is like, okay, well, all we do is just copy Fight Club Pro style. So you guys should just do what they're doing. So they just take the same people. It's very funny to look at the way that that it kind of aligned. It was perfect. It was, And when it comes down to it, we talk about it and I've talked about it for years it's political maneuvering, maneuvering, and it's the the political mastermind is is Trent Seven. Yeah, like Trent Seven is the Triple H of the UK wrestling scene. He's the guy who he politically maneuvered himself into the best possible position to where when all of this stuff comes together, he's in the position to become you know the guy who just kind of he doesn't have to be the biggest star, but he's connected to the biggest stars and he continues to make the most money and have the most influence.
1: And this, you know, obviously like this, like this is the, this is the most important show before we get into the, before we get into the inaugural, uh, UK champ, UK champion tourney, because right. this is the introduction of Tyler Bate as someone possibly even being on that level because he wasn't before this. And then it turns into Tyler Bate winning that, winning the UK title. If you remember going in, the favorites were Pete Dunne and Trent Seven. Why was Trent Seven a favorite? Because Trent Seven was established and already been a main eventer in some places. he like, already gotten title shots at, at, against, uh, excuse me, Zack Sabre Jr. and Rev Pro. He's, like, you know, been, a fight, been the fight Club, Pro, uh, fight Club Pro guy, a tag team champion in progress. He has credibility. Tyler Bate, as much as we like him, had, no, had been nothing more but the young upstart by that point. Very talented, very good, but he had done nothing uh, of note yet. But when WWE comes calling and we're like starting to like watch these promo videos and all this stuff, I was like, "Hold on, they really like Tyler Bate, huh? What's going on here?" And then you see, like, "Oh, like shit, they're really behind Tyler." But this is the beginning of that because up to that point, Progress had not done a fucking thing with Tyler Bate.
0: Exactly, and the thing is, is like, <laughs> shout out to uh, to wrestling culture. Shout out to. You know, Dave Musgrave and Dylan Hales. But do you remember that picture that they had on the Wrestling Culture Podcast where they photoshopped uh, that the Gotch Hackenschmidt uh, handshake photo with uh, with Dylan and, and Dave's faces? Like, that picture... Like, how reminiscent was that picture to the picture of Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, and Triple H shaking hands before the, the UK title tournament started it was like the same thing it was like the, the, they're wearing the coats it's black it felt black and white like that whole vibe and yeah it was like that was the that was the same vibe that started and tyler Bate was like outside of that so when you talk about the idea that that seven and done and were the favorites it's like of course they were the favorites because they were the fucking people that were promoted as the face of the whole thing yeah and they, and they told the story and the story was phenomenal I mean I loved that match I mean the UK title the original UK title tournament final match is an all time match for me I think that that is like for sure a match that goes down in the history of like greatest matches of all time I think it's it's a joke for people to argue against that because of just everything that went into it of course those guys had a rematch you know at the Chicago takeover that I think some people say is a better match that's fine. You could say that it's a better match, but I think that when you talk about historical impact and just over, the over, overall
1: presentation, the whole story behind yes. it, the impact behind it, like, yeah, this was a game changer because this is like this is the thing that sent Tyler Bate over the hump as someone right. as like, he's like he's like he's a young star now he's like, actually like now he's actually like a real top guy in the scene, and also now like, this strong style was was kind of like the beginning of the end. Like right. we're the strong style. Yes. Like we're like, they were, they were the omen and we didn't know, we didn't know this. We didn't, we didn't know it at the time, but like we're just strong style. Like, and like, and I don't hate them. I think that now they get like way too much shit. I think that like, look, they had to be protected. We was going to protect them either way. Um, the antics got annoying, but they had good trios matches. They had good tag matches. Pete done had a lot of good defenses and, Tyler Bate did a lot of good single stuff. Trent Seven was a great comedy guy for what he was at, for what he was at, for what he was being asked to do. I have a lot of good British Strong style memories. And I think that, like, while, like, they were still, like, for the the most part, a good as far as, like, just, like, quality was, as far as quality went, I think they were the beginning of the end as far as, like, being loaded to this false sense of security that the scene was gonna be okay and that this wasn't gonna be, like, some thing where everyone gets taken and the, clean, the scene collapses and all the other, like, subsequent things that actually had to happen in reality actually happened. That they were trying to be, like, these, like, you know, these, like, cozying forces of, like, no, like, this is actually, like, how we're gonna move, like, British wrestling forward. And really, you know, like, what happened is, that like, they were the bad omen that we should have, like, been afraid of the whole time.
0: Exactly, and the weird thing about it too is like I I thought about it as we were talking about it. It's like was was British Strong Style the Venom was 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 British Strong Style? You know the the Vince McMahon the, 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 the deadly injecting. dose of Venom. <laughs> yes, it, but it was it was Triple H injecting the deadly dose of Venom into the British wrestling scene. But it's like, can you be a sleeper cell and not even just a sleeper cell, but like some kind of like weird double blind. Sleeper cell. where they don't even know that they're the sleeper cell? Did yeah. they? Were they not aware that Triple H was using them to? Because even before UK rest, hashtag UK wrestling was dead, British strong style was showing up on all these shows and doing all this stupid matches that people were hating and were ruining yeah. and killing the scene. Like, was that part of it? Was that intentional? And not even it maybe intentional by them. But intentional by by the Puppet Master, by Triple H, by the WWE World Wrestling Entertainment kind of conglomerate, like intentionally killing the scene even before people realized that it was being killed because it was being injected by the, the venom. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's, an interesting, it's an interesting theory, but like it really you really don't think about that. It's like not soon after that, like when 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 is this show November? right? <laughs> this show is right. yeah November twenty seventh. Not soon after that in January, people are getting pulled off of progress shows. So exactly, like, it, it, like it's crazy how quickly these dominoes started falling. Like it's like, I I got I know that the story goes that they weren't presented with the UK tournament ID until until like November or like or like late October anyway. But it's just like goddamn like just how quickly this all went the way it did and I think WWE always had their favorites I feel like Regal probably always liked Tyler Bate and Tyler was going to figure into plans one way or another but I think this is just like such a good starting point that even with the Cruiserweight Classic stuff even with the fact that uh, there were Cruiserweight Classic matches that happened on Progress before this and everything like I feel like this is such a good like point to like look at the uh, to look at like when brit Ras started to started to slide downhill
0: yeah no exactly this was this was kind of the crest you know it's like you can see where the water sometimes when you look at the mountains you can still see that high water mark where where the tides hit like this was it like the the big show at the o2 arena that i've referenced multiple times is kind of like the the casting this major shadow over it where it felt like that was That was where progress kind of. That's where progress realized that they were kind of bankrupt when it came to, to, um, to like coming up with new ideas. Like intellectually, creatively, the company was tapped. They didn't, they didn't know where to go. And they had, I think they had realized it because they had tried to, after the Havoc stuff, they were like, okay, let's just do the same thing with Marty Scroll. We're just going to do the same character. We're just gonna do the same thing and it didn't work. And then they, they hit that brick wall where they're like, Okay, we're fucked. Well let's go with let's let's go with Haskins. This is the guy. People like him, it's it's different, we'll figure it out, we'll make it work. And then Haskins, after they had like hit that watershed moment where they're like, Okay, this is the big show, we did this all on our own. We made this big show. People we have however many people are in this giant building. We're fucked. <laughs> we don't know what we're gonna do next. We put the title on Haskins, and we can make something out of Haskins, and then Haskins gets injured, and then they make a deal with the devil. And the deal with the devil at the time wasn't Triple H in the WWE. The deal with the devil at the time was Fight Club Pro, nope. Pete Dunne, Trent Seven, and it's like you guys, you guys take over, and you guys make this work. And they're just like, "Fuck it, let's let's, let's let Triple H come over and take over. Let's you know." Then that it feels weird because that feels like that's it. But Quentin, what were you gonna say? So to close this out, I mean, I think an interesting what if
1: is we see how Mark Haskins is one of, is one of the guys that just didn't want that WWE contract. He could have yeah. easily taken one, but he's one of the guys like a, like a Chris Brooks like a Chris Brooks who just didn't take the contract. If Mark Haskins didn't doesn't get injured. If Mark Haskins is still, a, is still healthy, putting on putting on it putting on his great matches and the new face of the company, what do you think actually happens? Do you think that this only like what hap- what happens like you know only occurs because British Strong Style were always who WWE wanted in place? Would WWE have forced their hand there to get Pete Dunne or Trent Seven, you know, uh, in a prominent position there? Would Mark Haskins have actually taken that deal? What would have happened? I really do think that's an interesting what if.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge what if because it's like a do do does progress feel like they have their backs against the wall? If they have Haskins, I think they understand how to book that because, like I said, like I pointed out, if you look at this. The next two shows, at least, feel like they make perfect sense if you just keep Haskins as the champion. You do Matt Riddle versus Haskins here. You do Zack Sabre Jr. versus Haskins on the next show. And then moving forward, you can go from there. You can do Pete Dunne. You can do whatever you want. Moving forward, you can do Osprey. You can do anything. But it feels like it's very basic for them at that point that they can continue to book progress shows around Mark Haskins as the champion. They can let him you know bring in some people that he would like to work with we've seen that Mark Haskins has really good instincts you can like start to develop you can go from babyface Mark Haskins to heel Mark Haskins as we see happens and it would totally make sense and it would work because progress was a heel company up until this point they were like a company that's built around having heel champions and I think that they don't have that shit a brick what the fuck what are we doing? Moment and they're not weak to the point where they go like, yeah, let's sign a deal with the devil to keep this going because that's kind of what it feels like they do. And it's here. It, it's what happens here in, on this show in a, like a minute ways. They sign the deal with the devil. That is the fight club pro boys. Trent seven being kind of, to me, the face of that devil, uh, Pete Dunn kind of being, you know, the the devil's favorite demon. (laughs) Pete Dunn is the, the cane of, uh, of Rest, but you know what I mean? Like, it's like, he is the the guy that, that Trent Seven uses as his shiny face, his, you know, this is, oh, this is what Britress is. This guy, like, look at him. And, it, and it's hard to not watch Pete Dunne and think that he's fucking amazing. But to sign that deal with Trent Seven then turns progress into a company that's, that's morally bankrupt enough to then just roll over and sign whatever deal WWE has for them. And I think that if... Progress was able to not feel like their backs were against the wall and feel like they didn't know where to go next. They they could have ran with Haskins for a bit and then who knows where they end up because there was a lot of there was a lot of different stuff in play at this time with a lot of different people in the UK wrestling scene who could have kind of been the next thing and who knows what it would have been. I mean like like do you like do you think that
1: Jim and Glenn and Briley like stand behind their guy, and if their guy is like, nah, man, fuck that, like, we're independent, we're this, we're that, like, who knows why Mark Haskins didn't take the WWE deal, who knows? Because I know for a fact he was offered one, but, right, if Mark Haskins is saying, like, no, guys, we don't have to do that, we're better than that, we're gonna keep being where we are right now, do they stand behind, do they stand behind him? Like, is the guy holding the belt right now, the guy they trust, like, that much of a leader, someone that they, like, hope put that much stock in, as to where like they would have potentially made like a business altering decision I don't know but, but I do I really think that's worth considering
0: I see it I don't even just like I don't know like I don't even know if it's just that it's because he's the guy with the belt or if it's again like I said because of because of where they were at and because of Haskins leaving that they just didn't know what to do so in that rough situation they go with the easy way but if they felt more confident because they had someone it doesn't even matter what haskins personal beliefs are but just that they feel more confident in where they're going that they right. don't sign that contract but i could definitely see it both ways and it is like who knows you know like does cck show up in progress sooner <laughs> does, <laughs> does does the does ddt get connected with progress who knows
1: um
0: but i think that's, i think that's imagine
1: good, uh, uh, go ahead with you're saying
0: I was just saying. Imagine that this the the progress guys in this scene are the people who get Tony Khan's here, and we're looking at AEW, but in the UK, right? Like that's not an insane thing to think about.
1: Or like, or like someone like a Chris Ridgway comes in sooner, and then like Aussie Open come has to come in later because because like the right. FI Club Pro Attack connection isn't that, isn't as that healthy.
0: Right. Exactly. A lot of things. A lot of things. Could and probably would this, change. Look, like this isn't. A,
1: a, a, it's weird. Mark Haskins is like at the center of a lot of interesting political stuff, even if like he's not trying to be or is meant to be. But right. a lot of things about this, you can you can throw Mark Haskins' name in there because what if he's there and we don't know what the answer is?
0: Yeah, things could be a lot different. And meanwhile, after all this shit shakes out, Mark Haskins is like. See you guys. I'm signing to ROH. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But anyone that's
1: listening? Anyone else listening to this? Uh, go ahead. Uh, add, add us with that. Tell us. what yeah. tell, tell, tell us. Tell us. What, tell us if uh, you have any thoughts on this. Does Mark Haskins being champ and staying healthy change the course of the WWE UK and NXT UK stuff? And you know, if so, how much does it change? And you know, if it doesn't change at all why does it not uh i'd be interested in knowing people what people think about that
0: yeah i would like to hear that a lot because there's that's very interesting so people please reach out reach out at uh qntr on twitter um i think we have a qntr at gmail.com we do it's like the same as the twitter so send us some messages over either way quentin you have anything else you want to tell the people before we uh close this out
1: uh nothing uh timothy got all the plugs out of the way and we'll be back next week reviewing another uh somewhat retro uh brit brit rest brit rest indie show so be back so be back if you're into that uh thank you for listening hope you're here next time
0: He's pumping through my veins veins I work for the man Yeah, but you know It's the only yeah.